You're listening to Quran 30 for 30, the Ramadan podcast that reconnects us with the beautiful words of God, one juice a day, with your hosts, Sheikh Omar Suleiman, Sheikh Abdullah Oduro, and a new guest. Let's experience the beauty of the Quran. So Jazakumullah khairan to all of you for joining once again. I hope you enjoyed your first day of fasting and uh, you didn't overeat like some of us did. Um, but uh, I pray that Allah Azza put barakah in your, in your food, in your fast, and in all that you're doing and that you're finding it fruitful uh, in these moments. Uh, today we released, alhamdulillah, the first episode of the Angels series, if you missed it. And we also released the first episode of From Deed to Habit on Yaqeen's social media outlets. So please catch up with them, inshallah. And reminding you once again, inshallah ta'ala, to please consider supporting Yaqeen Institute, inshallah ta'ala, with a tax-deductible, zakat-eligible donation, inshallah ta'ala, uh, this month of Ramadan. And we'll get straight into juz number two, inshallah ta'ala. So there was so much richness in this that I had a hard time uh, skipping over the entire concept of dua. And to be honest with you, the idea of supplication of dua weighs heavy on me in these first three adza uh, of the Qur'an. It's, it's almost like Allah Azza is teaching us how to make du'a for the rest of the Qur'an. And then if you look at the du'as of the Prophets, the supplications of the Prophets, uh, you can actually plug them back into those formats. And so that's why the, the virtual khutbah today I talked about uh, comparing the du'a of Adam alayhi salam, which comes on the heels of a slip, and the du'a of Ibrahim alayhi salam, which comes on the heels of uh, an act of obedience um, and, and what that means for us. But I want to continue, and um, I know Sheikh Abdullah, inshallah, is going to go into detail with Kutiba alaykum as-siyam kama kutiba ala ladina min qablikum in shahru Ramadan alladhi unzila fihi al-Qur'an. And subhanAllah, that beautiful moment in Taraweeh when you first hear the Imam in Taraweeh recite shahru Ramadan alladhi unzila fihi al-Qur'an. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to recite it in our Taraweeh and also uh, to live to witness that moment uh, once again. So we left off juz one. And the change of Qibla is mentioned to Mecca, which is a return to the Abrahamic way. So Ibrahim making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for there to be a, uh, you know, an ummah that would uphold the concepts, the theology, the khuluq, everything that has to do with this message. And Allah blessing Ibrahim through his noble descendants in the Prophet Muhammad doing just that. And then now turning us back towards the Qibla and then comes the ruling of fasting now. And Shahru Ramadan, Alladhi Unzira Fihil Quran. Ramadan is mentioned as the month in which the book was revealed. And in fact, we know from the Prophet that every holy book was revealed in the month of Ramadan. Every holy book was revealed in the month of Ramadan. The Prophet said the Suhaf of Ibrahim uh, of Abraham, peace be upon him, the Psalms of Dawood, the Torah, the Injil were all revealed in the month of Ramadan, and the Quran was revealed, the final revelation was also revealed in the month of Ramadan. So we mentioned that you start off by asking Allah for guidance, which is Surah Al-Fatiha. Allah responds with Surah Al-Baqarah, which is, which is This is a guidance for uh, the pious. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows us the different ways that people interact with guidance on the basis of the condition of their hearts and their willingness to abide by the uh, the principles of guidance and the requirements of guidance, right? So Allah did not wrong anyone. Allah did not make this message too difficult 
for people to be able to grasp. Some people came into it with a, with, with a noble intention and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always elevates them, even if they fall short at times. Some people come in with the intention to twist and they always fail and they always fall uh, on their faces. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. But I want you to connect this now. Right away, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as he tells us about Shahr Ramadan, the month of Ramadan, Allah says, What he took me to Iddata, what he took ala mahadakum. Okay, subhanAllah, so that you finish this period of Ramadan and that you glorify Allah and you praise your Lord for that which he guided you to. So the Quran starts with the dua for guidance. Al Baqarah is the response. Surah Al Baqarah, this chapter is a response saying, Here is the book of guidance. And Allah mentions Ramadan as the month in which we really learn the value of that guidance. Okay? And then the and then dua is mentioned again, And when my servant asks you about me, then I am close to him. I respond to the call of the caller when they call upon me, so then let them uh, respond to me and believe in me so that they may find guidance. So guidance becomes manifest in our lives when we do as Allah tells us which is mentioned in the lives of those who obey, and your calls upon Allah for guidance are answered. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala emphasizes the onus on us once again. Ya shaytan. O you who believe, enter into submission, enter into what God calls you to fully. No loopholes, stop trying to play around with guidance, don't try to use it for error or misguidance. Enter into this fully. No games, only sincerity. If you fall short with sincerity, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will support you, but do not follow the footsteps of shaitan and goodness will indeed come to you. And subhanAllah, even though, and this will be my final point before I hand it over to uh, Shaykh Abdullah inshaAllah ta'ala, even though uh, it extends beyond uh, Surah Al-Baqarah here, and we have the greatest ayah of the Quran and ayat al-Kursi that then comes up within Al-Baqarah. And the last, which as much as we speak about our own weaknesses, we speak about the glory of Allah, right? So after talking about our own weaknesses and our inevitable shortcomings, you have the glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is so perfectly highlighted and beautifully illustrated in ayat al-Kursi in every way. It is the greatest ayah of the Qur'an, that which we recite before we sleep. And then what do we answer with al-Baqarah with? And this is just beautiful, subhanAllah. It's like, how do you bring this all back together? The last du'a of Al-Baqarah. So Al-Fatiha starts is, is, the, is the beginning of the book and it's a du'a for guidance. Al-Baqarah ends with a du'a for firmness on that guidance. Okay? Al-Fatiha is asking Allah for guidance. Al-Baqarah is ending with asking Allah for steadfastness upon that guidance. And there are so many du'as of the Prophet Allah mahdini wa saddidni. Allahumma anta rabbuna farzukna al-istiqama. The du'a of uh, Al-Hasan al-Basri rahimahullah ta'ala Allah min yas'aluka al-huda wa right? All of these prayers and supplications where the Prophet Sallallahu asks for guidance and then asks for steadfastness upon that guidance and so the last dua of Al-Baqarah is a reaffirmation we believe in Allah, we believe in the angels, we believe in the prophets we believe in the books, we believe in the day of judgment, we believe in divine decree and we are submitting to that because remember, Allah said this is a book of guidance for who? Shaykh Abdullah talked about this yesterday. Those who believe in the unseen. And right here, we're affirming, oh Allah, we believe in the unseen. 
We believe in the unseen as it has been told to us by the one that you divinely uh, revealed this book to in the Prophet And then we ask Allah to allow us to rise to the task of guidance and not fall like those who came before us. Okay, not to take on the burden, not to be overburdened the way that people that came before us failed under their burden. And so we will inevitably fall short, but we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for what? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pardon us and forgive us and show us mercy. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to rise to this task and not fall into the pitfalls of nations that came before that failed. So Al-Baqarah uh, really fits in perfectly with that guidance. And it shows us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not give us a burden that we cannot handle. And when we try to handle, when we try to handle the burden that he does give us of belief and what comes with belief, he will help us along the way with ease. He will help us along the way with forgiveness as long as we turn back to him when we fall short, so long as we remain sincere. And I believe that Sheikh Abdullah is going to talk a little bit further about how that ties into Siyam, inshallah. Tadul Sheikh. Barakallahu feekum. Bismillah wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wa la amma ba'du. Jazakumullah khair. That was a beautiful reminder and a beautiful summary. And uh, subhanAllah, you know, when just putting it all together, I love how, you know, when we look at the generality of the Jews or the general thematic structure of the Jews, it kind of puts it all in perspective. And that's what's mostly important, that we understand the general matters of the ilm before we get into the specific issues. And that's what's very important when it comes to being firmly grounded as a person of faith, you know, and as a Muslim, firstly, recognizing who Allah is and who he is not. You know, when I was in my, I think it was my second year of Al-Madin, it was a month of Ramadan. And, uh, you know, I never seen, you know, a gathering like that. I mean, it was in the Masjid al-Nabawi. And I was with a dear friend of mine, um, subhanAllah, I'm thinking of saying his name I'm so close, but I'm not going to say it. <laughs> wow. We were, you know, this brother, subhanAllah, is an amazing brother. Um, subhanAllah, we, you know, he said, man, we got to go to the masjid a little before, before, uh, before Asr because it gets really packed because we want to get to, you know, Safal Awul. So when we got there, we stayed there till Maghrib. He introduced me to some brothers. We had the, the Tamar and the Haysa and you know, we're starting to eat, and then Tarawih comes in, and we pray the Tarawih. And subhanAllah, you know, in myself, I'm being totally honest. In myself, I was like, wow, this 20 is pretty long. They were reciting pretty long surahs, you know. It was the Beiti, mashallah. And uh, when the Tarawih was made, he started making dua. And then my man just started crying. I've never seen him cry. He was just bawling, just crying, crying, crying. Amin, amin. And I remember I was saying to myself, wow. I was thinking that this was so hard to stand in prayer, but him tasting that sweetness of crying at the very end, I want that, right? Mm -hmm. So this subhanAllah, when we were done, I was like, man, why? What, what was it that made you cry so much? He said, I'm just so glad that Allah has blessed us with this, this religion, you know, and that he's allowed us to reach this month of Ramadan. It could have been much more difficult for us. And that's what I want to capitalize on, where he mentioned in the chapter number two, verse number 185, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, as Sheikh Omar uh, mentioned, where Allah uh, addresses or mentions the month of Ramadan. Because right before that, he says, when he talks about that fasting was prescribed upon you as it was prescribed upon the nation before you, perhaps you may, may be mindful. Right after this, he says, that they are some numbered days. And then the next verse, he says, Shahur Ramadan. So some scholars say that 
Shahrul Ramadan is acknowledging what those numbered days are. What are those numbered days? Shahrul Ramadan. That the month that the Quran was revealed in as a form of guidance and clarity and guidance to show you the criterion between right and wrong. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes into some of the ahkam generally. And many of us probably know this verse or encountered it in our local communities. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, we're all fasting together, inshallah. Whoever witnesses, as he says, whoever witnesses the month, then yasumu, then they should fast that month. And whoever amongst you was sick or traveling, then their appointed days that they make up are for some ayam and ukhar, some other days. But what I want to capitalize on here is what is so beautiful about this verse and beautiful about the religion of Islam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says at the end of this verse, يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ بِكُمُ الْيُسْرَى وَلَا يُرِيدُ بِكُمُ الْعُسْرَى Allah wants for you ease, and he does not want for you hardship. Let's just stop here for a minute. Many of us have become Muslim. We were not Muslim before. Or we were Muslim, but at the age of 16, 17, 9, we asked ourselves some crucial questions that had to deal with God's existence. We asked ourselves some crucial questions when it came to the actions of man and how that reflects on Islam. And that may have affected the way that we believe. So some of us have converted to Islam and we were born Muslims, but we never really acknowledged it until an encounter or some knowledge that we came upon. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying here that he has made the religion easy and he does, he wants to make the religion easy upon you. So the ahkam that were mentioned earlier, if you're sick or if you're traveling, then you can make those days up. This is what we call a ruqsa, a concession. The concession in the sharia is for particular circumstances and situations, Allah will give you an option or sometimes, as some scholars say, you must take that concession. And all of this is to express the rahmah, the mercy, the love, and the yusr. You know, when we say the name of Allah is Al-Alim and Al-Hakim, I love these names. It's all of the names of Allah are beautiful. But when we look at Al-Alim, is that Allah knows what was, what is, what will be. And some scholars may mention what hasn't been, if it was, how it would be. So that is comprehensive, per- perfect, flawless knowledge. But the appropriation of that knowledge, when Allah chooses to apply that knowledge, because he knows everything, which is wisdom. The wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is present at all times. So when we understand that, internalize that within our hearts and ourselves and know know what that means on a daily basis we see that the religion of islam the sharia was here because allah loves you allah loves you allah only wants good for you there has to be one person in your life that you know well life that person says anything about me requests anything from me i'll do whatever because they only want good for me you know, they want, they have that good spirit of only wanting your, misfor- your, your fortune. You, they only want you to win. They want you to succeed. Allah wants you to succeed. When we have it in the back of our minds and in the depths of our hearts, that Allah only wants us to succeed and to be moral, clean human beings, meaning our hearts are clean, which will be exemplified by our actions. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants. When we realize that anytime we face a challenge, we should look at it as an opportunity to be better people. So when Allah makes this religion easy, he wants ease for you. 
and he doesn't want hardship. But at the same time, he knows better than you about you. So as a person that's a father, or you as a mother or older sister, or someone that has some responsibility upon someone, you may do a disciplinary act for that against or for that person. And they may not understand it. They may think that it's wrong, but you're doing that on, a, on the basis of love, care, affection, knowing what's better for them. Because you have experience, and that is the wisdom. So Allah wants for you ease and doesn't want for you hardship, therefore giving you those concessions. So when we as Muslims in our household right now, and we are with our family members, and their studies, you know, is online, and we have a certain study habit that we, you know, our children used to have, be a little easy on them, give them a break, give them time to relax, and then let them get back to their studies. But make sure that the, the, the mood and the way that you're dealing with your family members, even with yourself, is that you're easy and you're not harsh. When you articulate the religion to people, be easy on them and not harsh. When you want your children to pray at Fajr in the morning and they're not waking up, be easy on them, but maintain the integrity of the religion at the same time. Try not to be harsh. As the Prophet Sallallahu told them that you were, it told uh, Mu'ad bin Jabal, uh, that you were, you, were, you, were, you were people that were called muyassireen and not muassireen. That you were called to, the pe- called to go to the people as people that would bring ease and bring this religion, be easy with the people and not to be hard with them. And lastly, when we look, lastly, that this Sharia, as we mentioned before, its basis is ease because the ease that he wants from you, along with the struggle that may seem seem hard at that time, but knowing that he wants for you ease, the relationship of servitude is a beautiful thing. When you see that there is a hardship that you're facing, but in the back of your mind and in your heart, well, Allah knows what's best for me. As he says, that Allah doesn't hold anyone, uh, put any burden on them more, uh, any, anything in front of them more than they can bear. Anything that you encounter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being al-alim knows that you're able to handle that in a fashion as long as you try your best. If that's in the back of your mind and in your heart, you will try your level best to implement the action of Islam. But what is beautiful about this is when you make the effort, Allah gives you tawfiq. He gives you the ability. He gives right. you the feeling. He gives you the strength the next time to do it again. Then he increases your iman to do the action again. Then he increases your iman, you do the action again. You may wake up for Fajr at, at 6.40, but the next, the next day it'll be 6.20 and then 6 o'clock. So just making that effort, realizing that the religion of Islam, Allah wants ease for you. He wants the best for you. Inshallah, that will serve as a motive, motive for us to be continuous on these beautiful, beautiful days of Ramadan and those to come. Jazakallah khair. Jazakallah khair, Shaykh. So, subhanAllah, uh, I, I don't know if you had the old Imam Siraj uh, cassette tapes. I always oh. reference his, his old cassette tapes, old khutbas, but Imam Siraj has a uh, one of those old cassette tapes, Allah desires for you ease. And he talks about the ayah. And the main point that Imam Siraj was making in that, in that was that uh, Allah, when Allah says he desires for you ease, it wasn't this open-ended, just, you know, kick back, don't do anything. It was in the capacity of giving you a command. Allah gave you an obligation to fast. But then Allah tells you, even as he obligates you to do things, there is ease that's embedded within those actions. And those actions are ultimately to facilitate ease in the hereafter, as well as ease through this life. Because mm-hmm. when we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, when we do as he commands us to do, 
we're not fi- we're not going to find constriction in our hearts. And when we find that expanse in our hearts, we'll find the ease in the religion. We'll always find that there are concessions when things become indeed too difficult for us. But the path of guidance and the path to guidance and the path within guidance, uh, all of it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has facilitated ease throughout. And so there's basically no excuse to disobey him, right? That's the idea, right? There's no excuse for you not to not not to follow because Allah has not been unreasonable in what he's tasked us with, especially with what he's promising us at the end. And that's that's really the, the essence of Surah Al-Baqarah, uh, that Allah gives us the dua. And it's really powerful because Allah gives us the dua with tawbah, uh, with repentance, with Adam, gives us the dua with asking Allah for acceptance with Ibrahim, and then gives us the dua for takhfif to make things easy for us in Surah Al-Baqarah, at the end of Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah gives us the dua to say. And we yeah. say that every single night, and that's that he he inspires us with the right way to call upon him. Just like he gave Adam the words, he gave Abraham the words, he's giving us the words as well, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm-hmm. So khayran for that, inshallah ta'ala, we'll turn to our special guest for the night, soon to be Dr. Tasneem Al-Qiq, uh, fellow and, and director of Expanded Learning, um, who uh, who's going to, inshallah ta'ala, share a gem that you should look for uh, in the juz tonight, inshallah ta'ala. So, tafadali, go ahead, uh, Sister Tasneem. Everyone. Um, and Shekhadala, thank you for that perfect transition because if there's anything that I want to be able to focus on from the message that I leave tonight is that concept of the Sharia being ease, that the laws that were implemented, everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants for us, there's so much benefit for. Now, before I sort of start, I want to give a disclaimer as to why I'm going to take the perspective, sort of the gem that I found today is because uh, I'm currently writing my dissertation and it's on marriage, on harm in marriage and divorce. And so, Surah Al-Baqarah is one of, if not the primary hotspot for all of the ayats regarding divorce in particular. So over the past several months, maybe a year, I've, I've really built a close connection to these ayats. And they're extremely powerful when read in light of sort of historical, larger, bigger picture context, right? So a lot of what I have to do is read through, you know, legal discussions, look through court cases, fatawa, just look at all of these different historical compilations and reactions to basically messy divorces, messy marriages. They're not ending pretty. There's problems. And that's why I'm looking at them, right? Looking at how that harm was dealt with and identified. Um, and I, I say that all to sort of put things into context because these ayat are so incredibly powerful. Because when you go through, you know, you're, you're reading through this material, this, this sort of legal material, separate from reading the, you know, the beauty of the Quran, it's extremely dry. It's extremely difficult to read through. And you see how people take things lightly, how they take the words of Allah Ta'ala lightly, how, you know, you can strip things out of context, you can make things black and white. And, you know, sort of the reality on the ground sometimes can be a lot more messy than what you find in these ayats. And so what's what's so incredibly powerful about these ayat is that despite the fact that they're, you know, they're legal ayat, right? What you'd want to categorize as like sort of the 10% of all of ayat in the Quran that fall under, you know, legal ayats. We read them, you know, sort of shallow reading. We have them read as something that's just sort of dry, that these are rules, you follow them, you divorce her, this is what happens, you give her this, you do that, if, you know, all these different things that when we read them at first glance, it's, 
you know, do this, don't do this, right? This is what's prescribed. You better stay away from this. But that it's that very shallow reading that causes these problems, right? Because if you if you look closely at the ayat, and really it gives me goosebumps, and no matter how many court cases I've had to go through, no matter how many you know disturbing stories I've read so far, or whatever the case is, these ayat are they always give me goosebumps when I read them, because you know you've got four to five pages of antalaq in Surah Al-Baqarah, right? And and for those of, of who's ever read, who's ever memorized Surah Al-Baqarah know that those are probably the the hardest four to five pages in the whole, I mean, to me, like sometimes the whole Quran. Um, And for many people, at least, you know, I can speak on my own behalf, memorizing the ayah, the the longest ayah in the Quran, which comes uh, near the end of Surah Al-Baqarah about like testimony and will was a thousand times easier than reading the the ayat on Salah. Why is that? It's because, you know, there's obviously a lot of similarities, but there's a lot of the same reminders in the ayat. You know, a lot of the ayat end in with what? Be, be, be conscious of God, fear God, have taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Know that Allah knows everything that's happening. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows, you know, is, is informed, is well aware of what you're doing. And just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is encouraging the believers that to have fear of God, you have similar, you know, reminders. Right? These are the boundaries of God. Do not, don't you dare go past these, you know, these these boundaries that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala set. Don't you dare think of crossing these. Right? So powerful, and these come. They're, they're so repetitive, and it's hard to keep track of the ayat. Which one ends with Allah Right? Because Allah Subhanahu wa Taala constantly in every ayah, in regard to the, the rules regarding divorce, uh, have some form of reminder that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala knows exactly what's happening. You better fear God. These are the boundaries of God. Do not surpass them. And so it's extremely powerful. And, and one of the most important verses, at least in reference to what I'm doing is, you know, is, is one that talks about right? So in the process of marriage, don't make it long and complicated just to make, you know, your wife's life miserable, harmful, whatever. And in that ayah, it, Allah subhanahu wa says, do not take the ayat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as, as basically a joke. Don't, this is not something you take lightly. And so when you put that into context, into sort of like, the severity, it, it's a big deal. Divorce is not, is not, you know, something simple, let alone a divorce where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you know, be kind. And reminded me, you know, don't forget that, that goodness between you. Constant reminders and embedded with, within all of those ayat are have fear of God and know God's boundaries. And now the reason why I really wanted to highlight that, I know it's something, it seems like it's something very specific, but it's not. Because when you look at all of the ayat in the Quran, right? Any ayah in the Quran that's talking about laws, talking about, you know, rules and regulations, things that we find sometimes we think is just so dry. When you read these ayat and you pick up on these, these, these incredibly powerful reminders, and you, this, I mean, it helps to know Arabi, but you can easily pick this up in, in, in translation, right? There's no way you can miss, you know, don't surpass the boundaries of God or whatever the translation reads. When you start to look at these verses and you and you sort of read in between the lines and you, and you get the message Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is relaying, it's incredibly powerful. 
And what happens is that when you have that shallow reading and you don't reflect on the Quran, you don't reflect on the ayat, you don't notice this stuff, we, we perceive of the Quran, the, the, the laws in the Quran, the Sharia overall, we think of it as black and white, right? It's either haram, halal, yes, no, do, don't. And, and, and honestly, it's really, it's offensive. <laughs> it's offensive to, to, you know, to even say that because there's so much, it's so much deeper than that, right? And, and in this particular case, when we're looking at the ayat and divorce, sure, you know what? There are do's and don'ts. There is haram and halal. But at the end of the day, there are certain things you can get punished for, for abusing and neglecting in this life. But that does not mean you're going to be, you know, it, you, you can get away with things and think in this life and think that you're off the hook. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's literally saying that, you know, don't do this, do this. And fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because it's, it's not just about what you can be held accountable in this life. That one day you're going to be held accountable, you know, before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in, in, in the next life. And it's a reminder that that the jurors also recognize that it's you know there's there's a much more powerful these there, there are ethical reminders in these these ayat right that jurists didn't say things are haram and halal we have you have an ahkam al khamsa right you have five rule any act can be placed under a category of five different rulings you can have haram halal but you can also have makruh right disliked you can have uh, mustahab something that's preferred and mandub something that's just allowed. And so when you look at things on the spectrum, right, that there's multiple different areas of, of, of gray, of things that you should be doing and you shouldn't be doing. What happens is that it's a reminder that when you approach an act, you're not thinking of it, am I going to get punished for doing this? Or am I, or, or is this something that I'm going to get rewarded for? But it's something so much deeper than that, that is this pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Is this something that's going to bring me closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Is this something that's going to push me away? And, and, and with that reading, and this is something that I think is just, you know, I want to invite you to do this in the, you know, in any ayah of the Quran, right? Don't think of something as black and white, that it's so much more, you know, more powerful than that. And try to pick up on those nuances, that those those little details where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ends in the ayah, like, again, ends an ayah on on this this, this really scary reminder of going through divorce and, and, and that, that tension, that, that you know, all the hardship that comes with having to split from, you know, your, your spouse of maybe 10, 20, 30 years, whatever it is. How does he end the ayah? You know, be fearful of God. Listen, I get it. Times are probably going to be tough now. He's reminding us at our, you know, our weakest point. Times are going to be tough, but don't you, don't you forget, you know, the bigger picture. Don't you forget the good and the, the, the better, the, the, be, the, you know, the better and the best. Um, and, and I think that it's just a really good reminder, especially for those you know, again, going back to Sheikh Abdullah's reminder that the Sharia is ease, right? The Sharia is so it's so beautiful in the sense that it has this this sort of holistic, more comprehensive perspective. We don't approach law, we don't approach our lives as Muslims as do's and don'ts, right? We do it as as everything is 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 incredibly open to us and 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 amazing and doing all in 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 pursuit of the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then when it comes to things that, you know, we should stay away from, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us with, with you know, in, in a gentle manner, in a very, you know, relatable manner, things that in, even in something as, you know, as difficult as divorce, Allah subhanahu wa the way he talks to us, it's so, he, he really talks to us as his creation. He knows our levels. He understands us. And, and he, he understands that things are not just going to be, you know, yes or no. And that, these are things that have bigger pictures and, and, and a reminder to, to really perfect our character when we're approaching even law 
as a just sort of a final, you know, to conclude just this final reminder that the Sharia is, is truly just this holistic lifestyle. It's not something that, you know, we go to when we're in court or, you know, we go to when we're in trouble, but it's something that we're constantly reminded of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's presence. We're constantly reminded of why we're here, what we're doing and who we're trying to please. Um, and with that, uh, just a reminder to try to pick up on that as you read through the Quran, especially through, throughout Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah Al-Nisa, you're going to get you know, loads of ayats that that's, that come off as as laws, as rules. Sometimes it'll you'll read it off as black and white, but no, focus on those ayat that you think, you know, well, how does this make sense? Focus on the detail and and have that perspective, that whole perspective in mind. And inshallah, it'll really it'll open up so many doors in terms of how you approach the Quran and how you understand Islam uh, as a whole. I love bless you. Jazakumullah khairan. SubhanAllah, honestly, um, beautiful reflection. I, um, uh, when you're when you're when you handle marriages and divorces as an imam, um, you see that's where subhanAllah, even the people that are the most religious, they just start thinking about how to make the text fit my situation to my advantage best. And if Allah was was telling us in Surah Al-Baqarah about people that uh, were twisting text um, and using the letter to 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 diminish the nature of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed for the betterment of people. But like you said, it's so beautiful that uh, with something as sensitive, the most sensitive thing, you know, where Allah will really test your taqwa and test your adherence is in the most sensitive areas of your life. And when Allah is talking about marriage and divorce, that's where taqwa, uh, you know, the fear of Allah and that consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes in to really be mindful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and God conscious and don't play, especially there, uh, don't ever play with God's law, but especially there. So I really appreciate that. And, you know, I'll just say this. There is teskia even in those long ayat about inheritance and marriage and divorce. There is teskia Like, there is spiritual refinement there. Because I know some people pray tarawih, and they're just, you know, as they're praying tarawih, when they, once you start getting all those long ayat, and you mentioned for you, uh, when you memorized the Quran, you said Surah Al-Baqarah, that part's probably the hardest for me. Surah Al-Nisa, I was like, man, I, this is a hard surah to memorize. All right, I... And to be honest with you, if I let Tarawih and I had a second part, I'm going to be like, you're leading Surah Tanisa part. I'm going to sit this one out. Because even now, when I read Surah Tanisa, I, I struggle. But there's Teskiyah, if you pay attention. There's spirituality and how Allah keeps on reminding people to be upright and to think about His uh, knowledge and wisdom and His being aware of us as we do all those things. Shaykh Abdullah, I'll give you one minute if you want to give a last ta'adib, inshallah, last reflection, then we'll send everyone to Tarawih, inshallah. You got anything no, you'd like to share? No, just subhanAllah, I mean, just like what she mentioned, uh, you know, the, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very protective, especially, you know, of, of you know, his, his slaves, his, the human beings. And when there is any kind of oppression, as she mentioned, do not take Allah's verses as a huzuwa, as a joke, or something that is secondary, or something that is supplemental to the way that you are living, uh, to where it's disregarded or you treat it as a burden to where you may just totally disregard it or even ridicule it to that degree. And then when she mentioned also, when Allah says, and do not forget the virtue that you have, you know, with one another, especially we at home, our homes now, you know, we as husbands or wives are starting to get to know another side of our, our, our spouse because they're at home in the middle of the day. So while you're learning your spouse or learning your children around the Lord time and you're fasting, Let's unsold for the pain. What a lie. Funny you say that. I can I can hear I don't know how much you guys could hear my kids, but they were they were they were like, you know, there's a lot going on back there. So 
I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, La tenso el fault. You gotta be nice. Be nice. Not to my wife, to my kids here, all right? So <laughs> just to be very clear, <laughs> you can't get that mad at an 11 month old. So it's like, there's not much that you could tell her. But Zakhmullah uh, Khairan to both of you. That was wonderful. I really enjoyed it. Barakallah Fiki. Uh, Sister Justine for joining us tonight, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, just a reminder to everyone, tomorrow episode two of the Angel series will be released, as well as episode two from Deed to Habit, and then we'll continue at night, inshallah, Quran 30 for 30. Tomorrow we have Dr. Abdullah al I believe, uh, joining us, inshallah ta'ala. So it'll be interesting uh, to hear his reflection as well on just three. Please keep us in your du'a and your tarawih. Um, and may Allah Azza wa bless you all. Jazakumullah khairan and see you tomorrow. Tomorrow. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This podcast was brought to you by Yaqeen Institute for Islamic Research, dismantling doubts and nurturing conviction, one truth at a time. Tune in tomorrow for the next episode and subscribe to this series. If you like this episode, you'll love our other content. Visit yaqeeninstitute.org or download our app from the App Store. Until next time, this has been Quran 30 for 30.